Thank you, choir. Appreciate that this morning. Good singing. Good to see some of you back. Appreciate the opportunity to be again uh, in the Lord's house and be able to share the Word of God with you. Pastor Scott, he'll be back next Sunday. <clears throat> Look forward to him getting back. So, uh, it's been a joy to be able to be here through the month of uh, February and uh, preach a series of messages that uh, probably close to 40 year old never been preached. Dug them out of a closet and uh, been using them. Now that I'm on my way home, now that I'm seeing the sunset, heaven blesses me. Ever notice how far a person will drive just to see a sunset? I'm sure all of you have probably been down into Florida and watched the sun fall into the ocean. Really, the sun's not moving. It's us that are moving, but uh, we call it sunrise or we call it sunset. Um, we come to a great passage of Scripture this morning, and Paul has written, I feel like his own uh, epitaph. He's been in a dungeon, in a Roman prison. He's been... Uh, He's facing capital charges of insurrection against the Roman government. Uh, uh, he's had his preliminary before Nero, and he's soon to stand before Nero again uh, in his uh, final trial, which we know will uh, the verdict's going to be execution. We don't know how soon after uh, Paul is writing all of this that uh, he will be executed. Uh, but Paul tells us here in the Word of God, uh, whenever it is, uh, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a, a good fight. I have finished the course uh, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all who have come. Pray, Lord, that you would add your blessings to the reading of your word. May you guide my lips and my mind and my thought this morning in this message and speak to the hearts of the people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Somewhere, sometime, we come to an end of a busy life. Things slow down. Other people begin doing things that you used to do with the energy that you used to have. I know yesterday I was out doing some things that I wanted to do. Early in the morning I was coming up the hill somewhat spry. But as the day progressed on, 
the hill seemed like it got taller or harder to get up. Only seems like a short time ago that we became a Christian and began a ministry that now has lasted for over 50 years. The Lord has made all of that possible. He gave me the opportunity to pastor six different churches and serve Him over this period of time. So this morning we find ourselves in a place that we only thought came unto others. Paul says here, I'm ready to be offered. And when he speaks about that in verse number 6, for I'm ready to be offered, Paul here has reference to a sacrifice that is mentioned back in Numbers chapter number 15. And you can turn back there and read that sometime and see what Paul was talking about. But it has reference to a sacrifice. It speaks of a, it speaks of a drink offering. And this is Jewish language here out of the Old Testament. And when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, God gave them instructions about how that He wanted them to worship Him when they got into the land, and one of the things was uh, he taught them that they needed to offer a burnt offering unto the Lord. And this is what uh, they're going to do here. Now this is not like what some of you think. This is not burning the biscuits on uh, a given morning or burning the bread that evening. That's not what it's talking about. But it's talking about an animal that had to be sacrificed, uh, an offering for sin. And it was saying unto the people here that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this was necessary. It was demonstrating something unto them that they need to make themselves familiar with. This sacrificial offering was poured out to the Lord Jesus Christ, And um, it was something like this. Uh, The animal had to be slain. It had to be placed upon an altar. uh, And uh, it was an offering for sin. But that was not the only thing that was on this altar. Uh, They had to take uh, flour mixed with oil. uh, And they they placed that up on the offering on top of it. and uh, it put out an aroma under them. I like to kind of think of it as last Wednesday night uh, when the ladies were fixing barbecue and the aroma that was coming from that. Uh, and so the animal was, was on the altar. There was a flour mixed with oil. Uh, and uh, then after that, there was sweet wine uh, that was poured out on top of all of that. So this is what Paul is saying. He said, this is my life. He says, I've given my life as a burnt offering that all the way from the road of Damascus up until this present time, which was about 30 years down the road from that Damascus experience. And so Paul says for three decades, I have been there on that offering, or I've been there on that altar, and I've been offering my life as a sweet-smelling Savior unto the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I live to the Lord, uh, he says, uh, what a blessing that's going to be. So as he looks back on some things, I want you to notice several things here. He says the race was worth it. And as we look back there in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, Paul sums it up in three different ways. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have been a good soldier. There have been many battles that I've had to fight. And there's victories that I have enjoyed. And I think every Christian ought to be able to say what Paul has said here in this passage of Scripture. I have fought a good fight. We all should be defenders of the Word of God and stand for the truths found in the Word of God. And he says, I fought a good fight. That's, that helps him to finish well. He also shared with us back there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, where he spoke about the many times that he had been in prison, the times that he had been stoned uh, and left for dead, the time that he had been in a shipwreck and been in the dangers of waters and robbers and dangers of his own countrymen, dangers of the heathen and dangers of the cities in the wilderness, in weariness and painfulness and hunger and thirst and cold and in nakedness. And I don't know anybody that has suffered any more like that than the Apostle Paul. And he says, I fought a good fight. Then second of all, he says, I finished the course. You guys who've played sports, or you ladies who've played sports, you hit a ball to center field. Maybe you hit it over the fence. You ever hit one over the fence? Did you? Never hit one over the fence. You hit one over the fence, didn't you? Yeah. All right, you've hit it across the fence. You make your lap around but you miss second. And all they got to do is throw the ball to second and you are, you're out. Paul says, I've run all the race. I've, I've, I've run the race and I've, I've touched all the bases here. And uh, he said unto us there in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself might become a castaway. An adakamas is what the Hebrew word is there for that. It simply means to be put on the shelf, to be disapproved of God, to never be used of God in any way or any form for the rest of his life. But then he says in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1 and 2, Let us run this race with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He touched all the bases. So he was ready to be offered. And then he says, I've kept the faith. I've stuck with the stuff. I've been a, I've been a good soldier. I've seen the guys that uh, I went to school with. Many of them have been in ministry for, for many, many years. And then there comes a time when things happen in their ministry and they just simply quit. And you say, and it was asked me in a Sunday school, have you ever thought about quitting? Yeah. 
And I, I remarked to you, I want to quit this morning. I always want to quit right before you get ready to preach. You say, why is that? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And it's not the quitting, but it's the feller that's sitting there, and he's like Jeremiah. He's got a fire burning in his bosom, and he wants to preach a message, and nobody wants to listen to it. He's disqualified himself in the ministry of he says, I've kept the faith. And then there in verse number 6, he says, uh, I'm ready for my departure. And uh, the word departure here for Paul is very different than what the church is waiting for. But for Paul, it was like a ship that had been tied up to a dock. Uh, and now all of a sudden, all the ropes have been cut loose from that ship. Uh, and he is going to sail away. He's got the freedom to do that. And Paul says here, everything, I have no strings attached. I'm ready for my departure. You ever been down to the airport in Atlanta? You walk into that humongous place, and when you go in, they've got all these monitors hanging up there. A monitor over here says, so and so flight uh, is arriving. It's coming in. It's on time. Or this one's behind time. But then you look over here at another monitor and it says, Departing flight, sir. And when those people get on that plane and that plane taxis out to the runway and it reels up its engine and all of a sudden it takes off and it leaves the ground, they're going somewhere. They're going somewhere. Why am I saying that? One of these days, a trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to be on that flight being taxed out. And we're going somewhere. We're going to a place called heaven. We're going with a new glorified, resurrected body with no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartaches. All the former things have been passed away. One day we're going to depart this walk of life. Not only was the race run, but look at the reflections that are wonderful. I want you to think with me about something. Think first of all with me about some saints that you've worshipped with. Maybe a mother, a father, husband, wife. Reflect upon some of those godly saints right now. And I couldn't help but think as... I was sitting out there in the, in, in the fellowship hall after, even after the uh, lesson was over with. Uh, and uh, my mind was flooded with some of the saints of God that, that I have had an opportunity uh, to worship with over the years. Uh, and then I got to thinking about some of you, some of the people that I'm worshiping with uh, now. Uh, and uh, the friendship and the fellowship uh, uh, reflected upon some of those things. Uh, the memories are precious to me. I'm sure that many of you right now have a picture of somebody uh, on your mind that you've had the privilege to worship with and men that I've had an opportunity to preach with and serve with and evangelists that we've had revivals with and things like that. Uh, so uh, I give advice to you. Spend time with your church family. Make memories Make memories, not only reflect about the saints, but 
Reflect about the services that you've been able to enjoy. Some of them you don't remember. Some of them I don't want to remember. But some of them I do want to remember. And my mind went back to many years. I remembered the first all-night service that I had. And I said to myself, and what you did, you came in about 7 or 8 o'clock and you had some singing, you had some preaching, you had some more singing, had some more preaching, and this just went on and on and on. And then being Baptist, you had to stop about 9 or 10 o'clock and have a break and serve food. If you don't serve food, you don't, you're not having a regular all-night Baptist meeting. And so I said to myself, well, they'll come, they'll stay when they have the break, they'll all leave. The biggest majority of them will. And so we had our break. I came back in. And I don't remember anybody leaving. They all came back in. And I remember somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. And nobody wanted to leave. We're still singing. We're still preaching. And I said to myself, do it again, God. Give us some services that we can talk about, uh, that we can remember, that we can pass on to our family and say unto them, this was what was going on during this time. And uh, let them know what a blessing it was uh, to enjoy those moments of time. Paul said... There in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 15, 16, and 17, he says, For all things are for your sake, that the abundance of grace might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, while we look at things, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Think about the heaven you're going to. Think about the saints of God that you've worshipped with. Think about some of the servants. That ought to get you excited. Amen. One day I'll see His glory. That brings me to the third point. The reality of the walk through the valley. I think all of us, when we get a little age on us, we begin to think somewhat about the end. Whether the Lord Jesus Christ will come in the rapture and take us all up to heaven or whether or not we will be left to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We know we can't live forever. We know that. <coughs> Excuse me. In recent years, we've watched many Many of our friends and family leave us through the valley. <coughs> if we're not careful, 
we'll get like Paul. Paul in Psalms 55, he said, the terror of death hath fallen upon me. And he said, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said to myself, that's not like David. Because just a short time before that, David has said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. But there is a possibility that we can fear. But when we walk into that path, we find out where it says, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you even unto the end. Think about these saints. Five of them. There is a possibility. You won't see the sunset today probably because it's supposed to rain all day. My understanding. But have you ever thought one day you'll view that last sunset? One last time you'll view that last sunset. You ever go to bed at night and pillow your head and say, Lord... Will you come tonight? Could I wake up in heaven in the morning? Lord Jesus, I'm ready to meet you or are you? So there's a possibility. The valley of death. There is the path. We're familiar with that. It's called a shadow. Do you realize a shadow of a dog can't bite you? Have you ever realized that the shadow of a poison snake cannot harm you? Cause you to harm yourself maybe, but he can't, can't, not just a shadow. The promise, thou art with me. Don't you know that the Apostle Paul in those times of troubles and trials, being in shipwreck, you ever been out on the water at night? I was in a storm years ago with my son over in, and I, I thought about that the other day when we went back to Blue Ridge and fished. Come up a terrible storm that night. The boat wouldn't run. The wind was blowing. We couldn't get an anchor down. I grabbed my son and jumped out and swam to the bank. Sat under a little pine tree while it while it rained, I prayed too. You say, what did you do? Well, I was going to walk out, and I walked her about 100 yards down the, down the lake, and there set the boat. And it said, get in. And it cranked. And we drove it home, or we drove it to the dock. We didn't drive it down the road. There's the provisions, the rod and the staff. The rod was for correction. 
And many times that shepherd would have to take a disobedient sheep. And if that sheep would not listen, he would take it and he would break its front leg. And then he would set that leg and then he would bind it up and he would bring that sheep to the door of his tent. And there he would hand feed that sheep until it got to where it could walk again. You said that don't sound good. The next time, it was not a broken limb that it would get, uh, but when it would come into the sheepfold, if he was still disobedient, uh, he got a bucket of dye cast on his side. That meant he was marked. Uh, he would never go out of that sheepfold again. And then there's peace. They comfort me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, for we know. He didn't say, I hope so, think so, maybe so. For we know that we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this house we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house from heaven. A lot of mornings I jump out of the bed. Most of the mornings, oh, I kindly just roll out of the bed. And my feet hit the floor and I say, hmm, I'm fulfilling Scripture. I'm in my body. I'm groaning. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with a new body that God says I can have I know a lot of you young folks, you don't have any pain right now, but you will. You stay around long enough and uh, you will have pain. You know, I stand amazed sometimes at, when I go to the doctor, and I don't think it's any doctor here right now, but you go to the doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong with you? And then you begin to explain, and they sit there and they go, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh. Does this hurt, or does this hurt? Does this hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Uh, well, we really don't know what it is, but we're going to give you this medication to take care of whatever it is that we don't know what's hurting. And then you go over to the drugstore and you get whatever they call in. Last of all, there's the rapture that we wait for. There have been times, and you have too, that I have thought as others have thought, the Lord delays His coming. He's just not going to come. At least He's not going to come in my lifetime. So the Lord delays His coming. But the Lord has not delayed His coming. I believe everything's right on program and right on time. I'm glad I don't know when He's coming. Because if I knew when He was coming then I'd worry myself to death just to think, the Lord's going to come today at 12 o'clock. 
What would you do if you knew the Lord was going to come today at 12 o'clock? Oh, I know some of you won't go eat lunch. You don't want to go to heaven hungry. We wait. We look. We listen. <coughs> For that moment, when God will call the church home. The sun will set one day for the last time for many of us. And I know, I know a lot of people, you prearrange your funeral and this, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I told, him, I told Max Cochran over one day, I hate to pay for this funeral when I believe in the uh, imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to leave any money over here that don't get spent. When Jesus comes, a new day will begin. You ever thought about that? What do you do when you get to heaven? What is the first thing you want to do? Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I want to see mama, I want to see daddy, I want to see this one, that and the other. My wife shared with me last night, a little boy, his daddy had died and I guess it was his mother or grandmother out, had him riding around. He said, take me to heaven, see daddy. See, he thought maybe you could drive there. But no. When Jesus comes, a new day will begin. <clears throat> and we, we say the same thing that John did. Even come quickly, Lord Jesus. Many questions have been put to the question that was put to Job. The question was put to Job. If a man dies, shall he live again? Now Job had an answer for that. The scientific world says he may live again. The philosophy world out there says he hopes to live again. The ethical side out there says he ought to live again. Atheism says out there he'll never live again. But when I read John chapter number 11 verse 23, the Lord Jesus says there, He shall live again. One shall live again. Because I live, you shall live also. That's what he said in the Word of God. One day, if Jesus doesn't come, they'll put me in a hope chest. That's what a casket is. Do you realize that? Casket is the word hope chest. And Max Conklin done told me he's going to make me look good. That's what he said. I've been somewhat claustrophobic all my life, and I said, you make sure I'm not in there when you close that lid. He says, I'll guarantee you there'll be no problem. But don't weep for me. Don't weep for me.
all of you want to weep, weep because I'm going to a place where I'll never die again. I'll get a new body. I'm going to admit to you, I don't know if I go by the way of the grave and I go into paradise. I really don't know about what I will encounter at that moment of time because the Scriptures does not tell me. Most people think, well, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to walk on streets of gold and I'm going to live in my mansion that God has prepared for me. You can't find that in here. Not when you die before the rapture takes place. And I've gone to enough funerals and I've heard people get up and say, well, so-and-so's up there with mom and daddy and they're living in their mansion and not so. The new Jerusalem, the streets of gold, walls of jasper has not taken place yet. It will, but not right now. So I close with this remark. If the rapture took place today, or if this was your last sunset here in this walk of life, where would you be in the next moment? Would you be absent from this body and present with the Lord? Or would you be absent from this body in a place of torment? Known as hell. Let's bow for a moment of prayer.